0: Let's look at uh, Ephesians 4, verse 20. It says, But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard Him and have been taught by Him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, verse 24, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness, and holiness verse 23 says be and be renewed in the spirit of your mind in verse 24 that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness in the NIV verse 23 says to be made new in the attitude of your minds in the Living Bible it says now your attitudes and thoughts must all be constantly changing For the better. so Doing something with our mind. Doing something with our attitude. And We'll get into this if you look back in verse 24. In the New King James. It says that you put on the new man. So you're doing something with your mind and you're putting on the new man. We're going to talk about that some. Which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. We'll come back to that. Let's look at 1 Peter 4, verse 1. It says, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourself also with the same mind, for he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of, the, of his time in the flesh for the lusts of, of men, but for the will of God. It says, Arm yourself also with the same mind. As what? As Christ. And, of course, in context, this is talking about specific, something um, with Christ that He suffered. But this, go, this is a, a general principle to put on what, you know, here it says, arming yourself with the same mind. We just read, uh, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So this is something we do. It's a change. It's something we're changing in our mind, in the way of thinking. The NIV, verse 1, 1 Peter 4, verse 1 says, Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourself also with the same attitude. These are scriptures we've gone over some before, but just going over them to get, uh, you know, get this started. But uh, we have touched on some of these before. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourself also with the same attitude. So we say, see, arm yourself with the same mind, arm yourself with the same attitude. In the CEB, it says, therefore, since Christ suffered as a human, you should also arm yourself with His way of thinking. Does God have a way of thinking? Does Christ have a way of thinking? Well, of course He does. You're reading His thoughts right now. The Word of God make up, the now there's not all the thoughts of God, but these are, every one of them, the thoughts of God. You want to know how God thinks? We look at His Word. What, is, what should we do in a certain situation? What does the Word say? Because the Word of God is, or th- what's contained in the Word of God, those are His thoughts. Now let's look at 1 Corinthians 2, verse 13. It says, These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but, with the, with, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual but the natural man does not receive the things of the spirit of god for they are foolishness to him nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned but he who is spiritual judges all things yet he himself is rightly judged by no one for he who has known the mind of the lord or who has known the mind of the lord that he may instruct him but we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. So the Word says we have it, but the Word says we have a lot of things that we still need to do something about. Like we just read, arm yourself with this same mind. Be renewed in the the spirit of your mind. We have the ability to put on and to start thinking the way he thinks, but it's not automatic. I I wish it was. Don't you just wish, wish all the things of God were just automatic? See, some people think there's a thought that it, it should be automatic. In other words, it's all up to God. Well, if that were the case, everybody would be saved. We'd be done on the earth. I mean, everybody would, just get, would already have been saved. Uh, there'd be no death, no sickness, everybody be healed, because it'd all be automatic. Obviously it's not. You have to receive Jesus. You have to then receive everything that has been provided through Jesus. And our flesh doesn't like that. Our natural mind doesn't like that. It's like, what? I got to do something? Just dump it on me, Lord. Just do it all. You and I both wish that were true. But we have to do something. Now, it's not just you doing it. See, there's a balance here. It's not all God. God has done everything He's going to do. He's provided. But it's not all you either. Religion will say you have to earn your way to God. It's all you, what you do. And if you mess up, you're disqualified. And that'll just crush you. On the other hand, if you think everything's up to God, well, you're going to be disappointed. And then everything will become God's fault. Ultimately, that's where that leads. Because if everything is up to God and something doesn't happen, then whose fault is it? Not yours. God. He's supposed to be doing it. That that's that's uh, unbalanced. That's error, and that'll lead to disappointment. Lead to anger toward God. Well, this didn't happen. God's fault. Now it's not all your. Uh, everything's not up to you. Thank God He has provided what we need, and then if we'll if we'll cooperate with Him. With his help, by his grace, then we can do what he said to do. See, there's a balance. He didn't say, You do it. Go ahead, try. Let's see how far you get. Now I provided everything, but you gotta, I mean, you gotta do it all on your own. That's not that's not it either. He said, I've provided everything for you. You gotta give him your will. Just, we have to step out, and then he says, and then I'm gonna help you. That's a big difference. I'm going to help you every step of the way. I'm going to give you strength. I'm going to give you direction. What's our job? Give him our will. You start stepping. Then the power's there. Now, if we sit and go, I just, I can't do it. What have we done? If, if you can't do it, if you say, I can't, you're not moving at all. If you're not moving at all, God can't help you. You say, why did not He just make me? He's not going to make you. We have a free will. Not going to make me? We're all in this together. I'm not preaching at you. We're preaching the Word. We're all accountable to the Word. You know, none of us have arrived. None of us says everything together. The standard is the Word. And we declare what He's told us we can do. Now let's look uh, back at Ephesians 4, verse 23 and look at these two verses, and then go, on. we have the mind of Christ. If we got it, you, say somebody, you, know, you can say, well, why don't I see it? Well, we have to do something. We have it. We got to put it on. But I want to focus on an, another part of this uh, passage here this morning. Ephesians 4.23 says, Be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. That you put on the new man. What does that mean? That you put on the new man, that which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So we got to renew our mind to something, to all of God's word. We're renewing our mind to what He has said. And one thing He said directly here in this verse is that we put on the new man. You say, what does that mean? Look at 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23. This is critical to really understanding anything that we're renewing our mind to. We need to understand what God has done through Jesus and understand where this happened. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23 Says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless. So this shows that we have three parts. We'll look at a few more scriptures that you know uh, has to do with this, but look at here it says, that your whole spirit, soul, and body may be preserved blameless. So man, man is three parts. We are, we have three parts. We, we are a spirit. We have a soul, which is your mind, will, and emotions. And we live in a body. We, every, everybody knows what the body is. You know, everybody has no problem with that, because you can see it and feel it. And, and it's easy to say, well, that's you. Well, in a sense, it is you but it's not the real you. It's really your body. It's not really you. On the other hand, you know, we don't look at somebody, we say, you know, hey, I'm coming over to your house, or hey, you. Well, that, we're looking at their body, because we live in a physical realm. It's not, it's not just spirit. We don't flip, you know, we don't talk like, well, hey, you know, I'm seeing you, but I know I'm not really seeing you. I'm seeing the body you live in. That's not the way we talk. We, we put them together. You know, looking at Shelly, I, I say, that's Shelly. Well, you, I can't really see Shelley with my physical eyes, the real Shelly. I can see her outward, her, her earth suit, we call it, but the real her, you can't see with physical eyes. The real her is a spirit. Let's look at... Um, Luke 16:19, you see, an example, what we're talking about here. Give us some insight. Luke 16:19 says there was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and, the, and fine linen and, and fared sumptuously every day, fared sumptuously. We don't talk like that, but he was doing well. He had everything he needed. He's wealthy. Fared sumptuously every day. But it sounds good if you're faring sumptuously. That's, that's not a bad thing. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Talking about when they're on earth. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores, so it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. Now, notice what it says there. So it was, look at verse 22. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. Okay. Verse 23 And being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off. Thought he was buried. Part of him was buried. But then it says he's in torments in Hades. Now, this is a picture of, of what things were. This is before Jesus was resurrected. But evidently, this is real. Jesus didn't, t- not talking in a parable, he's saying there was a man. And being in torments in, in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off. So he, he had eyes. I thought his eyes were buried. Well, evidently, there's still a form here. He lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. So he's seeing something with his eyes. He's seeing other physical beings. But we know Lazarus, he's buried too. So he's seeing something. Verse 24, Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger. Well, he's got a finger still. But notice, he was buried, but he's got a finger. His finger in water and cool my tongue. He's got a tongue. He's dead. And his body's in the grave. He said, Give, uh, send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water, cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, son, remember that in your lifetime you receive good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. Now he is comforted and you are tormented. Besides all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. We'll read this next part just for completion. Verse 20 said, Then he said, I beg you therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers that, I, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. So he's referring to from the dead. He's dead. His body's dead, but he's still talking right now. He's still alive. But he said to them, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded though one rise from the dead. See, sometimes we think if something spectacular happened, then it would get somebody's attention so that they would be saved. Well, this is saying, Jesus said, even if they won't listen to the word, they won't persuade, be persuaded, though someone rise from the dead. Well, isn't that what Jesus did? He rose from the dead. But people say, well, that, that didn't happen. See, we're not talking about conjecture. We're not talking about somebody's ideas. We're not talking about somebody's opinion. We're talking about the fact Jesus actually rose from the dead. There were witnesses that saw him and you either believe those witnesses or not. That's, that's what it comes down to. People believe stuff all the time that they don't have direct access to. They believe stuff they read on the internet all the time and they have no actual proof of it. They'll read it and say, oh, that's true. If, you know, and they'll take that but then the Bible—that's well, not true. The Bible is an account. The Bible says five hundred people at once saw Jesus alive after his resurrection. So this isn't. This is testimony. And there's so much, you know, as far as written documents, there is more to the support of the Bible than any document that we have. So th- we're talking about what people saw in their testimony. We're not talking about somebody's made-up ideas, and it's not opinion. It is fact. But anyway, um, we see here an account, and Lazarus and this rich man are dead. They're They're buried, but they're still around. So we know their body is in the grave. But there's something still that they're talking, and they have a form. We talk, saw lips, finger, or I mean, uh, tongue, finger, eyes, form. See, the real person, who we really are, is a spirit. We are a spirit. We have a soul, and we live in a body. Sometimes, you know, we're not going to go into this in super detail, but in the context of what we're talking about, it's important to understand this. We know what the body is. Nobody has too much question about that. Your spirit is the real you. And the soul, we have a soul, mind, will, and emotions, kind of, you know, your your brain is not your mind. This these people's brain was in the grave. Lazarus and the rich man. But they were still speaking, they were still thinking. So their mind is not their brain. You can have people can have uh, malfunction in their brain and their mind be sharp. They just can't act. They can't access this world. Now that's not God's will. We're not saying that. God's will is that we be fine and healthy. But your brain is not your mind. Your mind can be sharp because your mind will go with you for the rest of eternity. Just like we're seeing, you're going to be able to think, see what you've learned. It doesn't get flushed. But you think through this physical, org- or we, we access this world through this physical or- organ that's called the brain. Look at James uh, 2, verse 26. It says, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. For as the body without the spirit is dead. See, when your spirit leaves your body, that's what people call death. But actually... The person's spirit is alive. Now, real, true, spiritual death is being separated from God. In other words, the people still, every person is still going to exist for eternity, but they're either going to be with God or apart from God. But when when a person's body, when the spirit, your, your spirit leaves your body, that's what we call death on the earth. That's what people call death. That person died. No, they're really still very much alive. If they're a Christian, they're not here. Their body's there, but they're not here. They're gone. And we go, we have funerals on this earth. Funerals are for the living. Funerals are for the people that are left here. They're not for the person that's no longer here, because they're not here. They're not in the casket. They're not here. They're not in that grave. That person's not there. Their body's there, just like here. Lazarus and the rich man, their bodies were buried, but they're having a conversation elsewhere. People say, well, I, I, you know, they'll look at the casket and go, I, you know, they look good, or that, that I miss them. They're not there. The spirit, when the spirit leaves the the body, it's like a hand in a glove. When you take the hand out of the glove, what happens to the glove? The glove's just limp. But When you put the hand in the glove, you can articulate the glove and move it around. It looks like the glove is alive. The glove's not alive. It's the hand. Take the hand out, the glove, that's exactly what happens when somebody dies. Their spirit leaves the body, the body, the body's just a complicated machine. Called a machine. Well, it's organic, but it's still a machine. It's just very advanced. It's created by God, didn't just evolve. God made it. And you haven't seen anything. Our bodies aren't anything compared to the body we will have and what is possible. Thank God we don't have to live forever in this body. How many of you are thankful that this isn't the best it's going to get? This, our bodies here are not built to last forever. They're not built to last forever. They're, they're, they're corrupted by this earth. But we will get a body that's built to last. Let's read a few more verses that, along these lines. You know, and again, all these scriptures are available. If you go on our website, you know, you can write notes if, if you want. Of course, that helps you to write the notes. But all these scripture repre- references, if you go to our website on the media page on each sermon uh, site, you can click on download and, and you can view. You can view them right on your computer or phone. They're in PDF and, and Microsoft Word. You can view them. All the scriptures that I'm using are all there. And they're all in the different versions and for your benefit. You want to print them out, look at them, something ministered to you. So you don't have to worry about scribbling everything, but yeah, write stuff down that impacts you. But um, know that that's available to you. When When the messages go up, the scriptures go up. Look at 1 Peter 3, verse 1. with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is, the very, which is very precious in the sight of God. It said, don't let your uh, adornment be outward, what you do with your hair, what you wear, but let it be the, the hidden person of the heart. The hidden person, that means you don't see them. That means they're not real. Hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. So the hidden person of the heart is your spirit. That's your person. That's you. That's me. That's the real person. 2 Corinthians 4.16 says, Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. The inward man is being reduced day by day. So you have an outward man, that's what we call the body. Then you have an inward man. That's the real you. Notice the outward man is perishing. Anybody testify? That's not a bad confession. Anybody testify? You, you're not, doesn't matter how healthy you are, uh, you're not, once you hit a certain place, you know, I, my uh, gym teacher was the strength coach and football coach. You know, what he used to say, he was like, you know, once you hit 25, or in the you know, early 20s, then your body starts to go down. That's not a bad confession. That's, that's what happens. You believe God to uh, keep your body up in strength, but, you know, there's a difference over time. Everything in this world is deteriorating. It's, it's decaying. We, can, we want to be good stewards of our body, but you're not going to live in this body forever. Our outward man is perishing, but our inward man is being renewed. That's, that's the real us. The inward man is being renewed. That's the part that when... The Apostle Paul is referring, in Ephesians, which we started out with, when he's saying that you put on the new man, he's talking about the new man that's been born again, that's been recreated in Christ. When you became born again, that, that man is the one that's become new. Your, your mind... Obviously, your body didn't become new. When you trust Christ, when you trust God uh, and what He did in Jesus, your body doesn't change. Let's look at uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17 as we're talking about this. If you want to go back, skip that. We're going back to it. One of the first few scriptures, 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. This is the new man. If anyone is in Christ, what does that mean? You've trusted Christ, trusted Jesus, sacrifice. The Bible says, if you confess the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Okay, what became new? So we have spirit, soul, and body. Did the body become new? You know, did you, your hair was the same color as it was the day before? You know, you can go dye it or something, but, you know, it's the same underlying color. You know, you have the same physique. Wouldn't it be nice to get born again? You get the body you always wanted here on the earth? That didn't happen. Nope, your body stayed the same. So that's not what he's talking about. Your mind didn't become new, thank God. You would just be like all of a sudden reduced to a newborn baby. You know, got reset. Your mind is blank now. You don't know who you are. You don't know who anybody is. You don't know what is what. You're just like, you know, just like a baby. You know, cute. You're not even as cute as a baby at that point. You know, baby's got that going for him. That's a good thing. You know, you're a parent, you know. That you get suckered in with the cuteness. You like them, and then, you know, they're a lot of work, but they're so cute. And they start getting less cute. Well, you're, you're roped in at that point. Thank God for kids. I love my kids, but, you know, they're, that's the way it happens. Shelly's laughing. You know you've said the same thing. The thing is, you've got to train them according to God's word, or they, they're not going to be cute. You know, a, a teenager that acts like a, a newborn is not cute. But no, our brain did not get reset, thank God. You can imagine somebody, they're, they're up praying to receive the Lord Jesus, and as soon as they get done, they just look around blankly like, who are these, what? they don't know anything, they can't even say people, they don't know what people are, they're just like, they can't say what happened because they don't know how to talk. That's not what happened. Your mind didn't become new. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Well, what's, what's left? Your spirit. What we just read, your spirit's being renewed. The spirit's the new man. That's the part that became new. Well, you can't see it. You can't go by what people say. You know, somebody gets born again. Some people have an experience, different you know, feelings. Some people have nothing. If you looked on the outside, you think nothing happened. But they're a brand new person on the inside. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Well, what old things have passed away? We just said who who we were spiritually. See, before we got born again, we're dead spiritually. That means separated from God. But your body. Old things didn't pass away there. Same body, same mind. Behold, all things have become new. Well, what part became new? Our spirit became new. If We skip down to verse 21 then. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says, For He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. So this is what happened. He... He made Him who knew no sin, Jesus, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. So we became righteous. In the uh, Dewey Rhymes translation, Rhymes, Rhymes, I don't know how to say that. But anyway, this um, version of the Bible, Him who, who knew no sin, He made sin for us, that we might be made the justice of God in him. I'll read that again. He, Him who knew no sin, that's Jesus, he, God, hath made sin for us that we might be made the justice of God in him. That's what righteousness means. Justice, when you see made righteous, that's the same as justified. We would say acquitted. That's what that means. So we've been made new, we've been acquitted, we've been made right. You know, most people, we don't use the word righteousness in our day, daily language now, but it means you're right with somebody. You know, if you're right with somebody, if you're on good terms with somebody, that's a little weak in this context, but you are in right standing with God. That's what we're talking about. How did that happen? You were made new by believing what Jesus did. So see, that had nothing to do with what you did in the body, other than your body confessed, lined up with what you're believing. But you believe with the heart, and you confess with your mouth, then something happens on the inside. You're, you're, the person on the inside has become new. So when we look at Ephesians 4.24, 20, uh, can you go back to Ephesians 4.24? Right above there, a few verses. It says that you put on the new man. You see what we're talking about now? That you put on the... Go back to verse 23, right before that, so you can see that going into this. You be renewed in the spirit, the attitude, your way of thinking, the spirit of your mind, verse 24, that you put on the new man. What's the new man? Our spirit that's been recreated in Christ that you put on the new man which was created according to God, notice this, in true righteousness and holiness. That means your new man is right with the Father. You are right with the Father because of what Jesus did and you receiving that. That is one of the fundamental truths we need to renew our mind to. Because we live in a body, we have a mind, and you're walking through this earth, And if, you know, as you function on this earth, the enemy, one of his favorite things to do is to come and try to beat you up to separate you from the Father. Get your mind off him and get you to separate yourself, really. It's not that he can separate you. You're right with him, with God. But to get you separated. Let's look at Philippians Excuse me, 3, verse 7. Philippians 3, verse 7. It says, But what things were gained to me I have counted lost for Christ, yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, For whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, that I be found in God, not having my own righteousness or my own justification. In other words, not my own goodness, which is from the law or from the way you behave, but... That which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness or the right standing which is from God by faith. The righteousness which is from God by faith. Philippians 3 9, do you have that in the Amplified Classic? Says that I may actually be found and known as in Him, not having any self achieved righteousness that can be called my own, based on my obedience to the law's demands, ritualistic uprightness, and supposed right standing with God, thus acquired, but possessing that genuine righteousness which comes through faith in Christ, the anointed one, the truly. Right standing with God, which comes from God by saving faith. In other words, we approach God not by things we've done, but which God has done through Jesus when we receive Him. That right standing is received when we trust Him. It's by faith, it's not by anything we did. That is our status when we put on the new man. When we put on the new person and renew our mind. See, we have to change our mind to realize that's who we really are, is that we're right with God. Now, it's in our subject, not in our subject, but related. If we miss it, we, you know, we, we do the wrong thing, we violate the light that's in us, we go to God and acknowledge it's wrong and get back in fellowship with Him. But that doesn't separate you from your relationship with Him. Doesn't make you not righteous. Doesn't make you not in the family. But it does something to the way you approach God. That's why. That's why we don't want to do things that are wrong. Because it it, it hurts our. We violate our conscience. It brings condemnation. Our heart will condemn us, and we separate. It's to, Satan will help you to be separated from God. He'll try to push you away saying you're not worthy. And if we're looking purely in the natural, we'll be driven apart from God. But if we understand that how we were made right or right standing is through our faith, through believing God, then we can push back on that. Those thoughts, that way of thinking... And we can acknowledge that we're right with God because of what He did through Jesus in our receiving of that. That will help us to walk on the earth successfully. We need to renew our mind to to many things in the Word, but it starts with knowing who we are because of what Jesus did. Anything else that God's done for you is through Jesus is through Christ, is through what He did, is through the fact that we have been made righteous through Him. Let's look uh, briefly at Ephesians 1, verse 15. And what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe according to the working of His mighty power? It's saying that you may see clearly that you would know what happened to you and the might, the might of His power toward us who believe. In other words, the reality of what's happened to us, the fact that we're in right standing with God, the fact that we've been provided with everything we need on this earth, that we would understand. Well, what happens as you understand? That's changing our minds. In other words, our new man, if we've trusted the Lord Jesus, our, our, we have a new man on the inside, but the way we take advantage of anything that God has, has uh, bought and paid for, any of our relationship and being right with God is by changing the way we think to that. And that's like your eyes being enlightened. That's your eyes being clear so that you're like wait a minute i have this this is mine not that it's out there that oh i just wish i could go to god and i wish i could have this even though it's yours and the new man it's 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 ours but we can't grasp it because we think it's not ours so we have to it doesn't matter that we have it because here's the thing you and I live in a physical world. There's spiritual elements, but we live in a physical world. You deal with ideas that are going through your brain, your mind, and so it can be easy to focus on those things, and you lose the reality of what God has done spiritually, which is the foundation for accepting and receiving anything that He's done. We have to understand what He's then there so that it can influence the natural. And even though you can know some of this sort of with your head, other information comes into your head and tries to distract you and dissuade you mm-hmm. to the truths. So the more we start thinking on, right, we, we, we replace the thoughts of just looking at the natural, just looking at what other people say, just looking at what is understood with what the Bible says, like what we're reading, now... We start to partake of those truths that are actually ours. They were ours all, all along, but we start acting on them because we think different. We don't think, oh God, if, if, if I could only get to you and oh, if you could only accept me. We start to look at the word and say, he has accepted me. I think different. It's a process. Look at this in a couple other versions. Ephesians 1.18 In the Good News translation says, I ask that your minds may be open to see His light, so that you will know what is the hope or expectation to which He has called you, how rich are the wonderful blessings He promises His people. Let's read it again. I ask that your minds may be opened to see the light. Does that sound like? What we read in Ephesians, putting on the new man, renewing your mind, putting on the new man, so that you will know what is the hope which He has called you, how rich are the wonderful blessings He promises His people, that we would see what He's really done. In other words, we're walking around with all this, what God has provided, but we don't think we do, so when we don't think it's been done, we don't actually partake of it. What's the... the The uh, answer is to start seeing what we actually have. Then then it's not, I'm I'm reaching for it. No, I have it. See, when I start saying, I have it, why do I know I have it? Because Jim Preston said so. No, wrong answer. (laughs) Because the Word says it. Because when it's the Word saying that, it's God saying it. And you counter your mind. You know, things in the world start to say, oh, this isn't true. And you come back and say, no, the Word says it's true. See that? My mind's thinking different. Maybe before I just let that go and go, yeah, I know. Uh, I did this. Did, I, I don't see how. We start seeing clearly what God has done. Like it says here, how rich and wonderful His blessings are. Now we say, wait a minute. No, I have this. Our mind's different. We start partaking of something That was ours all along, but we act on it and start believing what God said said about it. Let's read this in one more version, the message. It says, I ask, ask the God of our master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning in knowing him personally. Your eyes focused and clear. Focused and clear. You know you can walk through life and we don't see clear. Have you ever gone, you know, it could be just something natural, you you went through it for years, you didn't understand, and then one day you realized, and you saw stuff clear, you realized what was actually going on. Well, this is what this is talking about, only this applies to every part of life, that we would actually see clearly, like, wait a minute, this is the truth, this is real, and now we act different. Your eyes focused and clear so that you can see exactly what he is calling you to do, Grasp the immensity of His glorious way of life He has for His followers. Oh, the utter extravagance of His work in us who trust in Him. Endless energy, boundless strength. That's what He's done. That's the truth. Let's read that again. Your eyes focused and clear. It's It's there all the time, but now we see so that you can see exactly what, is, what it is he is calling you to do. Grasp the immensity of, his glorious way of, of this glorious way of life he has for his followers. Oh, the utter extravagance of his work in us who trust in him. Endless energy, boundless strength. Clearly. We see clearly. We see what he has done. We see who we are in Him. We see what He has made us in Him. Therefore, we start to change how we interact. We we push back on thoughts that would discount that. And He'll help us to do it. He'll help us to change our mind. He won't do it for us. But if we'll say, Lord... I want to see clear. That's what this is actually praying. Paul is saying, I, I'm praying for you that this would happen. Well, you can pray for yourself. You can pray for other people. This is a way to pray for loved ones if they don't see clearly. It, it, especially if they're Christian, they, they understand. There's a different way to pray for people that, that haven't received Christ. But if, if they've received Christ, but they don't understand, you can pray this for them and say, and God show them, help them to see, because that's the only thing that's going to truly change their life, is to act in, on what they have. God will help us. God will help us to do even this. You say, "Lord, I know, I don't see clearly. None of us do, but we can say clear, we can see clearer." We can come up more. Lord, I know I'm not seeing this the way you would, help me, you, you would see. Help me to see clearly. Help me to see what you've already done here. Help me to understand. He'll do it. That's changing what, how, we, how we think. Praise God.